is uh, tuned in online. I hope you're there with your families this morning there if you can't be with us today. I am not the pastor of Battleground Community Church, Mike Fulbright, and our pastor is away this morning. I'm going to talk just a minute. John's back there is going to get me tuned in a little better, see how we're doing. But uh, pastor is away today, and he, uh, I'll give you a quick little timeline. You'll find this humorous probably as, as I did in a sense. It's uh, good to be here again and horrifying at the same time, right? So last evening, got a call sitting there, been outside playing on the farm all day, and phone rang about 6.38. Stephen Littlejohn's name came up, and I was like, well, this can't be good. So uh, anyway, they had a situation over there. They um, had a person in their home, potentially that had some symptoms, a cold symptoms, was going to be testing of covid about 8 o'clock, pastor called back and said, Christina had tested positive, and I guess it's just God's providence. She was away with her family last week, was, was not here, although we do miss you guys at home there. Uh, trust you're tuned in as well and praying for our service today. But we'll miss you today, pastor and family, Christina and the kids. Wish you were here. But the good decision was for him to be out today, to stay home, as their family all has been tested now, and they'll be getting some results back very soon. So this morning, as we enter into our service, keep that in front of your, your prayer life as you flow along with the text today and have those times and sense of a season to pray in your heart. Keep our pastor and his family in your prayer. And we want to let you know that um, we had at least a couple hours of preparation for the sermon today. We will be breaking away from John and doing kind of a topical message. So uh, it's what they mean in the New Testament when it talks about the instant in season. Well, you go to your file and pull out one of those instant sermons, right? Is that how that works, Micah? Sometimes it does. But luckily, in a sense, we're, we're prepared and just glad to be able to, just, just humbled, truly humbled, to be able to stand in for our pastor today and try to fill those shoes of his. So as we come to the point where we want to pick a text, there are some blank papers back there. We're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 11 this morning. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 11. The preacher from the preacher, or Solomon, interpreted as Ecclesiastes. So if you want to make some notes, there's some blank paper back there. Didn't have time to do the outline and those kinds of things. Uh, again, if you're there listening online, Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Let me find the text myself, because that's the most important part. Standing up here, if you've never done this, it's kind of like... Uh, my dad taught me to swim as a little boy. And the way he taught me to swim was he got me by the back of the neck here and threw me into water that was over my head. So that's kind of what preaching's like. You either jump in, and in a few minutes you'll begin to swim, as I trust the good Lord and the Holy Spirit's going to care for us this morning and this time together, and again bring some word that will edify the church, that will raise up the name of Christ today, that will glorify his name as we go forward. So we're just going to read the one verse this morning. If you want to stand for that, this is God's word. We stand out of respect for that. And then again, as we have our prayer, thinking about what Solomon, through the book of Ecclesiastes, would say to us in verses 1 through 6 with us. We're reading only verse 1 this morning as we begin. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Let me read that one more time. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Let's pray. 
Lord, again, we come to a time now of worship, a time now of worship through your word. I, I thank you for Pastor Mike as he's come and lifted us up in song, led us in vocalizing the name of Jesus through song. So as the words of the song said, may the breath that's in our lungs be your breath this morning. May the words that come out of our mouth be your words today. As we focus on scripture and as we lead through a study this morning, Lord, that will help to differentiate us from the world. Give us understanding, I pray, in the name of Jesus this morning. And amen. You may be seated. So let's dig in just right away here, Ecclesiastes, and talk about the language that happens in the Bible, and especially in Ecclesiastes. We see several types of language in the Bible. I don't mean like Spanish and Greek and Hebrew and Chinese and Latin and all those things, although they could be there in some instances as well and from interpretations. But cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Several things are going on here. And again, as our pastor says many times, context, context, context. What is going on here? Well, let's talk about three things quickly and kind of set the table for the message this morning. In the Bible, we'll find several types of speaking or several types of referring, several types of writing, several types of word sequences to make sentence. And of the three, let's talk about first... Is cast your bread upon the water a literal meaning in a literal sense? What does it really mean? Is cast your bread upon, does it mean take, go to your favorite grocery, buy a loaf of bread, take it down to Lake Wiley or Moss Lake and throw it in the water? Is that what it really means? I don't know, it could. And then there's potentially the figurative meaning. Figurative language then is words, phrases, that stand for something besides the standalone meaning. So in the literal sense, you get the loaf of bread or you make some biscuits, you go throw them in the water. In the figurative sense, as Solomon's doing here, cast your bread upon the water, you'll find it after many days. Well, figuratively, what does that mean to us this morning? Okay, so a sequence of words that have other than the literal or the standalone meaning. This kind of language, sometimes it helps us to add inferences on what we're saying. Let me give you an example. Have you ever been angry? You don't have to raise your hand. I see some hands. I see those hands. Won't you come? Have you ever been angry? Okay, if you're angry, you might say something like, I'm mad. Okay, literal, literal. You might say something like, I'm seeing red. Okay, figuratively. Or something like, there's steam coming out of my ears, right? All of that, though, means I'm mad, right? Okay? So let's go on to the third type of language that we see in Scripture, metaphoric language. Metaphoric language we see all through, especially the Ecclesiastes. Metaphoric language is a figure of speech in which a term or phrase is applied to something to which it is not literally applicable in order to suggest a resemblance. Such as, I guess my favorite metaphoric language in the Bible is Psalm 91. I call it Psalm 911. That's my go-to psalm in emergency. You're pretty familiar. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. See the metaphoric language that we hear there? I will say the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. And then he creates a picture. If he shall cover you with his 
feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. Does that really mean the Lord is here this morning spreading his feathers over us to keep us? Does anybody see any feathers? So metaphoric language again to draw us to a point or to help us to understand a passage. Literal, figurative, metaphoric. We see all three of those in the passage today. Book of Ecclesiastes is to stimulate thought, basically. It gives us some, really, some intellectual things to think about, to draw us to in those three types of speech. The text in 11.1, let's take a look at it together. So there's, again, many explanations about what casting your bread on the water could mean and should mean. So let's quickly run through those right quick. And again, setting the table for what's to come in the in the message today. A couple of traditional meanings of casting your bread. It's said that in the old days, ancient times, that as the Nile River would flood, that farmers or merchants would literally, floodwaters, big long floodplains, they would throw seeds in the water, literally throw seeds in the water. And then as the waters would reside, as the waters would go down, some seed would take hold on the ground that had been fertilized by the flood, and then lead to a, a nice harvest, potentially a, a valuable crop. Okay? Another somewhat historic and traditional meaning is, literally, they would take cakes of bread, and part of their tradition was to throw it in the water because the bread would float. Now, in that part of the world, in the east, they made bread little flat cakes. You feed bread, non-bread in India. Most of the breads there are oven-baked, and they're thin, and they come out, and they would float on the water. So it's said also that possibly this could be taking literal bread, the literal meaning, throwing it into the water and thinking that someone downstream would be blessed if they found that cake of bread and was able to use it for their sustenance. Now, here's a comment. Understand the text directing us to cast bread into a running stream. Is that not quite an irrational proceeding? As one commenter said, not likely to occur to any but one to whom the text might have suggested it to be. And then again, not offering any expectation of any reward or any potential return that someone could find it. Now, is the idea of throwing something into the water not a little bit crazy? What usually happens when you throw something in the water? It's gone. It's gone for good. And I've heard of, you know, that I'm angry thing. Sometimes things wind up in the water if you get to that mode, right? Okay, stay with us here. Throwing something in the water, something perfectly good in the water is irrational, maybe even a loss of good resources. Other meanings. Potentially it could be as we see in Isaiah 28, 28, a picture of a plowman opening the ground. Literally, a plowman, doesn't the plowman plow all day to sow? Again, Isaiah 28, 28. Does he open and break the clods of his ground? When he has made a, a plain face or smooth face, does he not sow the seeds then, cast the seeds on the ground of fitches and cumin, which are spices, and then barley, wheat, and rye in their places? So again, the farmer there, sowing seed on the ground, expecting a return. Another view is, potentially, again, a mercantile 
or a merchant, a business owner, sending out ships on a voyage across the water, throwing his bread onto the water, his money, his goods, his property. And again, for it to be sold, and then for those ships to come back and bring the return back to him. Even Proverbs 31:14 is mentioned, where it's talking about the qualities and the characteristics of a virtuous woman. You've all heard that. A virtuous woman, it says, she is like merchant ships who brings her food from afar. Okay, we've heard all these traditional meanings. We've heard interpretive meanings, figurative, metaphoric. But in a sense, we come back again to a more literal meaning. That it literally means to take our seed, whatever's been given to us, our resources, our talents, our valuables, and to throw them into the water of life. Solomon is telling us to take our bread, take what we have, and throw it into the water of life, for you'll find it after many days. Okay? So let's dig in a little bit. Let's move down on to verse 2 now. Throwing something in the water to regard it as a blessing. Still sounds a little irrational, doesn't it? Well, hang in there. Here we go. Verse 2, there's a tension formed right away. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, it says, for you know not what evil shall be upon the earth. My goodness. So what's it talking about now? Give seven portions or eight portions. So again, very simply, metaphoric language. Look at verse 2 again there if you have your Bibles open. Give a portion to seven or eight. Here is presented by Solomon a call to sow liberally. Be benevolent in life. Beneficent is another word that's used sometimes. It says actually to sow as many seeds as possible. In a sense, it means to sow all that you have. It's possible that in giving to others, you're sowing the seeds that someday could be returned back to you. Seven being the perfect number, then followed by eight. We see that in Scripture in other places as well in creation and even at the crucifixion. After the day after the Sabbath, creation was completed. Figure eight, in a sense, standing for the type of infinity, you know, the closed character. So seven and eight being the perfection of casting our goods into the water. So we see the example here of liberally giving not only our resources, our money, but also of our time, our talents. These are all offerings to our God who gives us only and all good gifts that we have. Stephen says, and I love it, it's like you have nothing that you have not been given. I like that. It's here in the scriptures well today. So the essence of it is to get, get back as we go. We do have temporal possessions and goods. What about the ones that we have that may have eternal implications? Let's flip over to Isaiah right quick. Eternal implications. And not to be out of context, this chapter is talking about fasting and the right types of fast, how to approach God with a fast. The right way to do it and the wrong way to do it. There's also a right and wrong way to approach God with our resources. But look down to verse 10, verses 10 and 11. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. 
So here we are again with a metaphoric statement in Scripture. Pour yourself out. You will lack nothing, the Scripture says, but you will be like a well-watered garden, a spring of water. Now what does that mean missionally to us today? Missionally, as we spend our resources through whatever avenues you choose to do that, as we apply ourselves to daily living, and then as we apply ourselves to using resources as you go, Matthew 28, sound familiar? As you go, what do we have that we can share all of us? Somebody knows the answer. You have the gospel, the bread of life. We all have that as believers. Okay? All right, so we see seed coming, seed throwing, excuse me, comes in many forms. Let me tell you an example that, a uh, real life example in Honduras. In Honduras, I have a buddy, his name's Faustino. Some of you have met Faustino, and Stephen, if you're watching, you've met Faustino. That is the most joyous man. It's always a joy to, to arrive there finally and get up to Faustino's village. He meets you with a smile, a big smile, hugs you, praises the Lord as he goes. So here's what Faustino has to do and people there on that side of the mountain. What Faustino does is each year he has to go and he sows the only seed that he has. So what if you're standing on the edge of the water with just a handful of seed? And this is all I have this year. And with this seed that I'm going to sow, I bought this seed, real live example. I bought this seed, I borrowed money to buy this seed. I went to a man who sells seed and I borrowed this seed. It's not really my seed anyway. And then Faustino has to take that seed, put it in the ground, nurture it, pray that the Lord will send water, and he'll find fertilizer somewhere as it comes up. Faustino has produced enough harvest to feed himself and his family and to pay back the lender with usury or interest. That's a real-life story that plays out every year. They grow coffee down there. Coffee's the same way. They go and borrow money to plant coffee, hoping that in three years when the coffee bean finally produces, that they'll have enough money to pay back the owner or the user, the person who lend them that money to buy that seed. Same applies in this country. I'll give you another quick example. Dad used to pastor a church down east towards the beach, and that was back when tobacco was still king. Had a man in his church, won't call his name, but he drove the oldest, like a 1972 station wagon, Chevrolet, and had a console there in between the seats and had a shoebox on that console. Well, his place in life was to lend money and buy and sell. You had to get tobacco allotments. You couldn't just go and plant all the tobacco you wanted. It was all controlled by government. Imagine that. You could plant X number of acres or X number of fields. So that was his business driving to the farmer's house. Do you want to sell your tobacco allotment? How much will you take for it? And then selling that seed, that ability to produce tobacco to other people for a profit. Now, can you see a theme here that's going on? Cast your bread upon the water. What's the end of the verse say? For you will find it after many days. All right, so let's stay focused on that. Let's jump down to verse 3 for a moment here. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if a tree falls toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall be. 
Literal, figurative, or metaphoric? What do you think? Sounds kind of literal there to me, doesn't it? If the clouds are heavy with moisture, the rain's going to come down. So, easy to understand. If during that storm or that tempest, a tree falls to the south or to the north, that's where the tree is going to be, right? It's going to rain, it's going to rain. Tree falls north or south. Is God not sovereign? Can you see that in the text here? God is Lord over the storm. He's Lord over the tree. He's Lord over the resources that we have. So here's another example of how we should prepare. You could call this for a day of calamity. As presented in verse 3. Presented here is the wisdom of being attached to a body of believers. A church family who can support and strengthen in hard times. A time to believe in God who is sovereign. Believing that all things work for our good. As in Romans 8.28. They work for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. All things work for our good. Now, when I got that call last night at 638, I could have said, this is a calamity. We'll just cancel church. Who's in control here? How can we let a virus control our lives? This, this is horrible. This is ugly. This is terrible. But listen this morning, people. God is sovereign. He is sovereign over everything that has happened in the past, present, and future. Do you believe that this morning? God is in control. So after a couple of phone calls and a little bit of discussion, yes, we're going to have church today. Yes, we're going to have music today. Thank you, Mike. Worship, please. Yes, we're going to have a message. And hopefully the message will give you at least one thing. Just catch one thing out of the message today to take away and to apply to your daily living. So the calamity has come. Or has the calamity come? We should expect, again, as we, in verse 2, give portions to 7 and 8, as we divide our resources so that we'll have resources in those days when things are tough, as this morning could have been. pastor has resources all around him. And again, it's just lining up the resource to step into the place and to keep, again, the gospel moving here in this place this morning. Listen to the psalmist here. My soul follows hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. Psalm 63, 8. Again, just some verses to encourage us today. Psalm 119, 116. You may be in your day of calamity. Uphold me according to thy word that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Isaiah 41, 10, one of my go-to verses. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So church family, thank you for being here. And thank you all for what you do during the week, during the night. Past, present, and what we'll do together in the future as we encourage each other as the body of Christ here in this place. Could have been a hindrance today. Trust we're going to turn it into a blessing. We're following God here all the way and trusting him for the result. Verse 4, let's look at it quickly. He that observes the wind shall not sow, and he that regards the clouds will not reap. So let's think about a couple of things here about verse 4. These things could be a hindrance to casting seeds or planting. Again, in that metaphoric language, we must be about the work of our Father, whether it's cloudy or rainy. Sleet or snow yesterday, did you see that? 
that's something. North Carolina weather isn't it great. Somebody said, uh, it reminds me of Alaska more. It's like, you don't like the weather in Alaska, just wait a couple hours, it's gonna change. That's their saying up there, and it does. The text speaks of winds, clouds, interfering with the natural processes that we go through. So we, again, have winds and clouds and storms in our lives. But we divide, did we divide our resources equally? Do we have backup in place when we have those days that we need help? By casting bread on the water and those blessings going downstream, Hopefully we pull people into our circle that, again, when you need to make that phone call, someone will be there to help you. Again, meeting here as a body of believers, as a church family. That's what that means. So if you don't get one thing today, take that with you. Church family means you've got a backup when you need one, and we will all need one at some point. Let's go back to Faustino just a minute. Up in Honduras there. He could say things like, too dry to plant right now. It's too wet to plant. It's too hot, too humid to plant. The ground is too rocky to plant. Or I have no help to plant. Okay? Honduras has a law that's very evident. No plant, no eat. Literally. Give us this day our daily bread. No plant, no eat. I love Faustino for this reason as well. Not only does he farm and grow and harvest to feed his family. Faustino, I think of him when I hear the verse recorded in Isaiah 52, 7 and Romans 10, 15. How beautiful are the feet of the mountains of them that preach the gospel of peace. How beautiful are the feet upon the mountains of them that preach the gospel of peace. So not only does Faustino grow, plant, reap harvest for his family to the return of the user the interest and the money he paid for the seed. Faustino also gets what it means to cast his bread upon the water, for you shall find it after many days, verse 1. He gets what it means. He is a believer. He has the gospel in his heart and the Holy Spirit. Not only that, he puts his shoes on frequently and walks over the next mountain to the next village, and he sows the gospel accordingly. And then he walks again over the next mountain to the next village to plant, to cast his bread that he has, living bread, upon the water so that after many days he will find it. Now, again, temporal implication, eternal implication. So the verses have both today. No plant, no eat. Turn to Isaiah right quick, 55. It's one of the go-to chapters in the Bible. So much in Isaiah 55. Talking about sowing the gospel here. Start in verse 8 here as we read together and just listen. If you don't have your Bible, I'm listen to what God says. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven returns not thither, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. 
Okay? Literal. We understand that. The farming example we just heard about, Faustina. You understand that. Plant the seed, harvest, eat, right? No plant, no eat. Listen to this, verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you in singing, and all the trees in the field clap their hands. Now, take what we just read and lay it over Ecclesiastes 11.1. Cast your bread upon the water, and you'll find it after many days. Is that not what the text in Isaiah is teaching us today? As you go forth sowing the seeds of the gospel, the return is recorded here in Scripture. The benefit is here. The access is there. The harvest is there. Flip over to 2 Corinthians quickly. I'm going to read a, a similar portion. 2 Corinthians 9. A New Testament example. In verses 6 through 10. Same thing is said, just in a Pauline type of way here. So, Verses 6 through 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having sufficiency in all things, may abound to good works. For as it is written, he is dispersed abroad, he's given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Okay, we're making sense now? Cast your bread upon the water? Is it beginning to make sense? And after many days you'll find it. You know, as believers, we too must be willing and in a, in a sense courageous enough to take our bread and cast it on the water trusting God for the return. Because we do have that living bread that dwells in us. John chapter 6, we've recently reviewed. Where Jesus said, I am the living bread. He who eats of this bread will never hunger again. Do you see what that means now? Living bread that's in us. Holy Spirit dwelling in us. With a message to take to the nations. Well, we come to... Verse 6 now. Let's look at verse 6 briefly. In the evening sow thy seed, in the evening, excuse me, in the morning sow thy seed, in the evening withhold not your hand. For you know not whether it'll prosper, either this or that, or whether the morning and evening will be alike. Again, some metaphoric language for us. What does it mean? What does it mean? Interpretively, it means we should work day and night. We'll work till Jesus comes. Remember the old hymn? We'll work, we'll work till Jesus comes. It means be busy about our Father's business. Not just in the day, in the midday, in the evening, but all the time as we go. Again, from Matthew 28. As you go, as a believer, 
your obligation and duty out of your caring and love for our Heavenly Father and what He did for us should be exhibited in our daily lives as we go to our work, to our school, to our homes. And then, as we apply our gifts, abilities, our talents, our time, trust God for the increase. It will come. Okay? Well, we trust in God this morning. So we get to the part again this morning where we have the so what. As Stephen gives us each week. So what? What does it mean to cast your bread? Personally, what does it mean to you? Think about it this way for a moment. You may be the seed. You may be the seed that's been waiting to be cast into the waters of life. To be used again as a blessing for those who are downstream. Let's look at John 12, 24. If you want to turn there, I'll pause just a minute. John 12, 24. Think about, I am the seed. And if I am the seed, what has to happen? What has to happen? The Bible tells us what has to happen here. John 12, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Now, how many texts have you heard in preaching, in church, about dying to yourself, etc., those kind of things? We've all heard that, right? Micah says it frequently, I hear him, and I appreciate that. I must decrease so he can increase. That's one of the Pauline writings as well. I must decrease so he can increase. But how do we die without being dead, right? Let's look at it here. Galatians 2.20 tells us how that's done. Galatians 2.20, you all know this verse. The work now must be done in us. Now let's pause right here and do a little sidebar. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that the work has already been done. Rest in that this morning. You don't have to work. to gain salvation, okay? It is the free gift of God. It's not a works-related thing we're talking about here. The works-related part is, then what? What do we do then? And how, again, do we use ourselves as a resource for the gospel? The work must be done in us. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So again, find comfort in the text this morning, in the gospel here presented by Paul to the Galatians. Crucified with Christ, what does that mean? Boy, that's another state's topic, isn't it? Wow. What does that mean? Think about this for a moment. Again, we started by, when you throw something in the water, what happens to it? So if you took that cake of bread and threw it in the water, it's going to go downstream and go out of sight, right? All of you have taken a rock and thrown it in the water before. Okay? We saw the rock, threw it in the water. We saw the ripples go out. After some time, what happens? Ripples go away. Potentially, the surface of the water is smooth again. There's no visual evidence of anything we threw in the water. But is the rock still there? Everybody do this. The rock is still there. The rock is still there. 
And that rock is Jesus Christ himself. Not that we're throwing him in the water. But again, when we think we're on our own or by ourselves, Jesus is there for us, crucified with Christ. So let's go one step further. The result. Psalm 126.6. Again, one of my favorite verses. He that goes forth and weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. To me, this is the culmination. It's the result of Ecclesiastes 11.1. Cast your bread upon the water, and you'll find it after many days. Because you went out with weeping, with sorrow, bearing the seed of the gospel, again, it'll come home one day with shouts of joy, and you'll see the sheaves that come with that. Maybe not in this life, friends, but the next one for sure. So we must be about our Father's business, about sharing the gospel, using ourselves in the resource to be that tool that Christ needs very much in this time. Are we in uncertain times right now? could say that we are. You know, someone said one time, it's not personal enough till it happens in your family. You know, COVID, big deal. You know, and our, our pastor's there and has experienced that this week. It's a serious business. I trust him again as we pray his family will be well. And all of you. Oh, by the way, this place was sanitized twice last night and this morning. So find comfort in that. You're in a safe place this morning. So with the power of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit in us, how can we not go to share the gospel, to use our resource, to cast ourselves into the water? Let's do a wrap quickly. What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? What am I supposed to do, Mike? You're going to tell us that too, aren't you? We're going to all sign up and be on the list to call for pastors to preach on Sunday morning. Is that what that means? I want to get you on the list so next time we need a, somebody off the bench, we'll, we'll have your name. No, it's not what that means. It means whatever place you are in life as you go to plant the seeds of the gospel, to live that gospel in front of other people, and again to share as we go. Boy, we're in calamitous times, it seems. But God is in control. Praise his name. And again, we welcome his spirit here this morning. So as we end today, let's listen. Casting your bread means to make yourself uncomfortable and overcome your personal objections to service. Casting your bread means to step out of your group and experience people in other areas. It could be across the aisle, it could be across the hall, could be across the street, could be across the state or across the ocean where we seek to experience people in other areas. You know, it could even be in the woods somewhere or on a busy street corner. Casting your bread means to amp up your giving of resources. As verse 2 told us, be liberal, beneficent, when you're thinking about the works of the Spirit, the works of our Lord. Cash your bread again, amp up giving of resources. That's your time. That's your temporal blessings. Church family, that's both. Casting your bread means to broaden your perspective. Some of us from this area lived here. I'm from Lowell. In the town of Lowell, they had a very narrow perspective on things. It was a, a mill society. They all worked in the cotton mills, as did I, by the way. I, I did spend a few years of my life there as well. I respect those people, not belittling at all. But they had a certain type of mentality. At some point, we have to 
expand on that and see where the gospel goes and how, again, to participate in that. Casting your bread means to desire spiritual things and search for them. Casting your bread means being available for the cause of Christ. Casting your bread means that we have an assurance that all we do for the cause of Christ will bear fruit. We've heard the promise of the return this morning. He that goes forth weeping with seed, sowing with tears. Again, the Lord's going to give that return. He will come bringing his sheaves with him. Remember that verse from the Psalms? So, let me challenge you, church. If you're sitting here this morning, if you're still on the shore, if you still have your bread in your pocket or tightly in your hand, would you commit today to let go of it, to fully trust God in all that you do, relying on him for the results? So church, as you go this morning, take your hand and cast. Let's pray. Lord, again, we just pause to give thanks for this day. Lord, for this time to stand before God's people, to share from Scripture. And again, Lord, hopefully to give one thing that may make their life better or one thing they can take out with them this week to use in a, seems like a calamitous world right now. But again, Lord, as salt and light, we are charged to go forth, to continue to cast our bread upon the water, trusting you for the return. Lord, as we end up our time together this morning and as we sing, as we dedicate ourselves with, again, prayers, our offerings today, the scripture, Lord, the message that we hear and sing in music, and there'll be a time of dedication in just a moment. The, the Lord's table set up here this morning as we honor you through the cup and the bread. May we remember what Jesus did for us. And again, how we can use that as a motivation to go forward out of this place this week and to cast our bread upon the water. Lord, we love you again. May these words bear fruit this morning through the Holy Spirit and to work in people's hearts and lives. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.